it's poll watch season. Everyone's favorite time. <laughs> Preseason polls are so out. Week one polls are so in. Bill Landis. You say so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I promise. If you think we're just going to talk about picking apart people's rankings, we're not going to. We're going to get into some Ohio State defense on the podcast daily, a, a hump day edition uh, with the polls one day late for Labor Day uh, and then being in Roosters one day later than normal uh, this week as well. We're going to – I mean, you predicted this, so you have to give yourself credit. You said no matter what happens, Florida State's going to jump somebody, and they jumped Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, whoever, whoever won that game on, on Sunday – the things are running together. Whoever won that game on Sunday night was in a, week one uh, is the week way one was gonna was gonna jump Ohio State. Ended up being Florida State in resounding fashion. So not surprised at all to see them jump. They moved the number four. They moved up four spots. Somehow they're still behind Alabama. Like Alabama also moved up. They for beating Middle Middle Tennessee State. Why Florida State should be number one? Like if I'm voting, Florida State's number one. It's not even close. They have the best win. They smoked the team that a lot of people thought was going to win the national championship. Um, but. Somehow they're four behind Alabama and Ohio State dropped uh, two spots to number five. So that is your philosophy. I know that that was always Doug's, uh, Doug Maurice's philosophy. Like You have to evaluate what happened on the field. Uh, forget about the preseason. Now what are your, what's your body of work? What have you done in through one week? Like Nobody has a better win than Florida State. Now, some of that is still reliant on the fact that you have to think that LSU is still good, which is a preseason projection, and maybe yeah. they're not. Fair, yeah, that is true. Like when, once you make a team look that bad, then how good are they really? They have three first place votes. Georgia still has fifty eight uh, for beating uh, Tennessee Martin, hmm. uh, a game where they were like only up seven nothing. I think for like the majority of the first half, or wasn't first super impressive. Yeah, which is fine because a lot of teams aren't super impressive in week one. But right. um, a little more critical thinking, perhaps, on the thought of the pollsters would be tremendous. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can say Michigan didn't really wow anybody. Their level of competition, we're looking at Ohio State and Indiana, that's that's not really comparable, what they did yeah. in that 30-3 to game uh, for a score that's pretty close. But it, like we always say this, it doesn't matter. And if Ohio State wins all of its games, like the fact that they dropped to number five after week one and a 20-point road win in a conference game, like it, it won't matter. And it, it won't even matter in two weeks. Like They have to go out and beat Notre Dame, which is checking in at number 10 right now. So Why, why did that happen? They moved up three spots. I don't know. For beating Navy and uh, Tennessee State. A lot of teams getting a lot of credit for beating teams from Tennessee. That's funny. I mean, yeah, people are, people are easily tricked, I think, <laughs> by looking at it. Like, I, and I'm not saying that – I mean, you could make a case that beating Indiana by 20 is not a reason to be convinced that Ohio State is number five right now. That's sure. fine, too. Yep. I, don't, I don't know what the right place to rank all of these teams are. Um, and that's I've had to do it before, and I still didn't feel like they were always going to be 100% right. No, it's hard this time of year. The, the preseason poll, I think the preseason poll is actually easy depending on which way you take it. If you just want to say, like, this is how I think it's going to end, then you do it that way. Um, but then once the game start and the body of work is so small, it's like, then what do you do? I, I, I don't know. I always struggled. Uh, I haven't done it since um, 2018, I guess, or the middle, the middle of the 2018 season is when I lost my vote, when I left Cleveland.com for the athletic. Um, so I haven't done it since then, but. Like the first probably probably month of the season, it's pretty difficult, um, depending on what kind of games you get. But yeah, not a lot of not a lot of needle movers out there. Yeah, imagine not ranking Wyoming after Saturday night, though. If you want to have a problem with the polls, roaring back from seventeen points down, unbelievable Texas Tech, unbelievable disrespect. Texas Tech still got a vote. Come on, if that's true, 
Is that is that true? Really? Yeah. yeah. Who? Why? What are we doing? Yeah, I think a lot of people were pretty excited for that game, and it got a thrilling finish. Double OT at seventy two twenty, and then three votes for Wyoming. Did, did everyone go to sleep? Hey, pollsters, mm. send us directly on the podcast daily your explanation for these these votes this week. Wyoming did get votes. I know they got three. Yeah, I'm saying that's not enough, and Texas Tech still got. 80. Yeah, I agree with that. Iowa, uh, the number twenty six team in the poll. Clemson still ranked. Mm. Um, Tell me why. I, I will say credit to the AP voters for showing some restraint and only having Colorado at number twenty-two. Mm. Um, although I guess a lot of them are probably still doubting Dion. Yeah, this is weird. I don't know uh, the Notre Dame thing is very puzzling because now they're ahead of Texas, which won Utah, which beat Florida, Oregon, which put eighty on the board against an FCS team. Um, I don't. I, other than the fact that Notre Dame has played one more game than all those teams, I don't know why they're no, suddenly number ten. And that's that's the same deal. LSU staying in the top 20 after a performance like that that wasn't super encouraging. But, I don't know, You play maybe you don't punish teams for playing an aggressive schedule either. So there's no ideal way to do it, which is one of the problems that has always existed in this sport. That's right. And one reason why um, putting together better expansion plans and conference expansion and maybe bringing more consistency to the strength of schedule and balance would be... Uh, a nice little outcome from all of this stuff, even if it's been painful along the way. That's a completely yeah. different show and a different conversation mm. that we don't have to have. We are in the middle of Ohio State's preparations for Youngstown State, and we talked about the quarterbacks and the offense on Tuesday. Um, I like diving into Jim Knowles because as that head coach of the defense, uh, he gets a, not the same amount of time as Ryan Day on a Tuesday, but enough to really dive into that and get more insight than maybe we would have got from you know the old – Urban Meyer press conferences about the defense. And yeah. So let's let's do that. What did you learn from his conversation on Tuesday? Um, I, I think – I didn't think about it this way, I guess, but but I think it is the right way to think about it. He seemed very encouraged by the fact that they had not prepared for a lot of the triple option stuff that Indiana had thrown at them, but a bunch of guys in their second year in the defense who have played a lot of football kind of knew immediately what to do when, when faced with that. And – they adjusted quickly and smothered it. It wasn't even – sometimes when it happens, like Byrne was talking about the Nebraska game a couple of years ago when Nebraska did it, like Ohio State didn't know what to do. They were kind of on their heels for a little bit and then I think got a turnover at the end of that drive. They were kind of lucky on a tip pass. Um, that didn't really happen with this. Like they, it, it, they, Indiana came out and did it, and Ohio State was on it right away. So it wasn't a game that I think told you really anything about whether or not the, the problems with big plays or, or really any of the issues that crept up at times last year have been solved or even – on the, their way to being solved, but I think it was really good and encouraging for Jim Knowles to see his defense just sort of not flinch when somebody kind of threw a curveball at him. Yeah, I, I was not expecting pure, unadulterated triple option for the entirety of the game. It, to be fair, it looked like perhaps Indiana was not either because they weren't very <laughs> good at it. I think that it, that that bears mentioning. It did it impacted the game in a lot of ways other than just like, all right, you have to scrap a lot of the plans that you had, you're going to go play a little more, as, as Bobby Carpenter said on Tuesday, more straightforward man and uh, adjusting from there and just trusting that you can win with more dudes, which Ohio State did. But the trickle-down effect was the shortening of the game, fewer snaps to go around on defense, and the compounding issue on top of that was, well, if you thought that maybe you were going to see Kenyatta Jackson or C.J. Hicks or more snaps for Malik Hartford or whoever – Anybody else on the defense, like I don't think they at Ohio State was able to get to some of the sub packages that it wanted to, outside of using a lot of defensive tackles, which they did successfully and productively. 
Yeah, I think probably had designs on perhaps playing Mike Hall even a little more than they did, but when it turns into the game that it turned into, I think you can divvy those reps up. You want to, right? It's a physical game for whatever you think about Indiana's talent. Um, and their offensive line, I think, is actually halfway decent, and it was healthy coming into this game. Uh, it's a lot of wear and tear on your tackles, so you want to make sure you're divvying up those reps. Um, yeah, it wasn't I, – I, maybe it was foolish to think it would have been an opportunity for them to get a lot of guys in, no matter how it went, because it was the opener, and you just don't want to get – too loose with that because stuff gets weird in week one. I think we'll see a lot of those guys this week, and maybe next week we'll see we'll see how that goes. That's kind of a different animal altogether. But um, if there's anybody who is like bummed, angry, frustrated, whatever that we didn't see some of the younger players you're talking about, uh, I was prepared to see them a whole lot on Saturday. You were one of those people. You're bummed. Yeah, no, I am. I, yeah, bummed is probably the right word. Uh, um, uh, bummed, but, but understanding of the context, right? Because because I agree with some of what you said that. The most we're probably going to see C.J. Hicks is when they want to do some some of that Jack stuff, or, or maybe he's like a situational pass rusher kind of thing. I, I don't really know yet, but it wasn't against what Indiana was doing. I think they could have played him for sure, and, and perhaps he would have been fine. Uh, but I understand wanting to ride the, the veteran experience of guys like Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers when Indiana's doing a bunch of pulling and fakes in the backfield and spinning guys out. And like It's a lot to keep keep track of, and... I guess the other argument is, like, that's a good learning experience for C.J. Hicks, too, right? And maybe if it was, you know, 38-3, they would have done it, but it was still tight enough that they didn't want to. Yeah, they, that was one problem with the game flow and setting aside the rules and, and all that other stuff with the clock. I mean, they just – it still wound up being a 20-point game, which is tight enough that we've seen from Ryan Day and Jim Knowles in the past that they don't consider that a wrap, even if – even if you think you could have put the twos in there and Indiana's triple option was still not going to score any points, which I thought that, which it probably <laughs> wouldn't. Like I can understand people wanting to see the next wave and the value of getting reps for the next group. But, you know, I'm not sure that that was the proper situation for that. And I, maybe I am wrong. And if you disagree with that, I understand. But, you know, they, they had to put that game away. Uh, and they did it with the starters and the people that they counted on the most. And they didn't have to actually – tax them all that much. If you're talking, you know, Lathan Ransom was 55 snaps. So yeah. like, that's not a huge amount to ask for them compared to some other games. If you had to play 75, that's not – I don't think you'd want to open the year and ask that of Lathan Ransom or Tommy Eichenberg or Steel Chambers. So that, maybe that could have been different just if the game had gone different and the intention still would have been there, either the length of, either length of the game or the number of snaps or the score. Like, any, if any of those things change, maybe it would have looked different. So I don't know that it means that – it's not going to happen for any of those guys who didn't play, especially someone like Kenyatta Jackson. Like, yeah. if teams come out and start throwing, be stunned if he's not out there on the field a lot more. So, like, yeah. that will start changing probably this week, definitely next week when it for pass rushers. And then by Notre Dame, that might look like a normal football game again. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Um, <laughs> it might. In Indiana, I thought we were going to start with a normal game and then get into a little bit of weirdness, but Indiana decided to make it weird from the jump. Um, <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, we're kind of just talking about two guys, right? C.J. Hicks and Kenyatta Jackson, because like Malik Hartford, I think actually ended up playing a similar amount of snaps to Josh Proctor, who was, he was a little banged up in the second half. Yeah, he had an uh, ice bag on his ankle afterwards, and he just he said, "Yeah, I'm just old." But you know, I, <laughs> so I, old, yeah. I think that, yeah, <laughs> I think that did influence it. And then well, again, it wasn't a 50-50 situation. We can get into the safeties or even a three-way split, which Jim Knowles doesn't seem to want to pursue in that position with Jahad Carter. Yeah, I don't – I'm surprised he played, like, no, no snaps. Um, but I agree with Jim Knowles that it's hard to play three guys in one spot, especially in a game where you're only getting – you know, you're getting fewer than 60 snaps um, or whatever it was. So, yep. um, 
would not have guessed it coming into the year. I do wonder what part of that is Jahad Carter not being 100% healthy, which is obviously he got hurt in the spring of his time, and then in the summer we heard that he was still dealing with some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wasn't on the availability report, but that doesn't really mean anything, as we've come to learn. Um, well, I really thought it was going to count for something <laughs> this year. No, uh, it's just uh, it's new font, and it has a new header on it from, from the Big Ten, but uh, the information is uh, just as reliable as it was last year. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious where Jahad Carter goes from here, because like, Josh Proctor played very well, and I thought Willie Carford played really well when he was in there, and it's a competitive situation where I don't think you're going to be losing out on those game reps as other guys are starting to make a move. So um, I think if he is capable of playing this week, he probably should or else risk kind of falling out of favor. The Jim Knowles, when he was asked to evaluate that, I think that it's it's tricky for all the reasons that we're getting into with the unique, uniquely bad offense that Indiana ran. Not just that it was the unique triple option, but that it was also ineffective. Ohio State is causing a lot of that, I think, with superior talent. But it doesn't allow you to to look and evaluate the entire picture. Is the secondary back to BIA status? And they played well, but it was very limited opportunities. You don't know what the pass rush truly looks like. You know, what Denzel Burke, Jordan Hancock, Davis, and Ibnosen, if they have to go, you know, 35 competitive snaps in coverage, what that really looks like yep. quite yet. And I, I think that, that that's probably encouraging that from the players and from Jim Knowles at the top, they're not like, hey, this is done. We're fixed. We are the number one defense in the country. They don't, they don't, they haven't acted that way coming out of week one, which I do think bodes well for them. Because sometimes you can get teams that get a little taste of success and right away they feel like the job's done. Yeah, I don't, I'm not worried with that. And, and Jim Knowles did say on, on Tuesday, I think, he, I think he said something to the effect of like looking forward to getting into more traditional football games or something, something like that because um, of all the things you said. Um, like I want to see Josh Proctor in a situation where teams are dropping back and throwing the ball more. Um, I know people, are, I think, are concerned about the lack of a pass rush or perceived lack of a pass rush against Indiana. I, I'm not. Um, just because of the way that Indiana played, like they were max protecting quite a bit. They're, the ball was out quick all the time. They weren't really trying to attack down the field. Um, and that's, I'm not saying, like, don't worry, the pass rush is coming. Like, I am likewise curious to see to see if it's going to show up this year. But I'm not using that game as the benchmark for whether or not it's going to. Um, they should get after it this week, you would think. Um, but that doesn't really mean anything either. But in two weeks when, like, Western Kentucky is going to want to throw the ball probably 50 times in that game, um, if you don't see any sacks on the board, then I think you can be concerned. Yeah, you get that many opportunities. Uh, that's one that you were really counting on to get to your 50 sacks for the season. Need that game. Yeah, I'm going to need about 30 in that game. So When you have a week like this, Bill, where like, it's one of those name-the-score tune-up games, like, what what do you think you need to see from Ohio State on defense? Like, What do you want to see? Does it matter at all? Like yeah, it's no, Youngstown it's a, State. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I don't know. I, I know, like, Youngstown State at their level wants to be a team that runs the football a lot, um, and I, they did lose their, like, leading running back from, from last year who accounted for a, a large chunk of their offense. Um, so I don't know. It's probably just, like, staying locked in. Don't. It's the kind of game where I, I do think, like, Ohio State's going to be up comfortably, right? And, and at a certain point, the defense probably just kind of sits back on its heels a little bit. I would like to see them not give up like a stupid big play, an inconsequential one, but a big play nonetheless. Like if they can still find a way to stay locked in for the entirety of that game, however lopsided it might get, and not give up those those big hits, I think that'd be good. The Jim Knowles didn't seem all that concerned about the physicality and the hand use of Davis Nigbenosen over there. I think that's part of playing corner. Yeah. That's if we're talking about one of the plays that they allowed. There was another one 
you know, where Josh Proctor and coverage, Steel Chambers, where like I didn't feel like any of those were necessarily like blown assignments or like failed execution, especially the Steel Chambers one. And Jim Knowles said on Tuesday, like, yep, the explosive plays, those were on me. I don't I didn't get the sense that even those few opportunities that if we wanted to nitpick that Ohio State felt there was any real concern about them. The thing with explosive plays is like like they're gonna happen. I I don't I don't think you're ever gonna find yourself in a game where you truly limit all of them. Um, the problem for Ohio State, especially at the end of last year, is that they were all touchdowns when they happened. Yeah. So so a play where they run play action and Lathan Ransom flies off the field and kind of vacates the, the zone in the middle there, and then Josh Proctor kind of comes flying up and misses a tackle. Well, that play still only goes for twenty five or twenty four yards, I think it was, because Josh did a good job of getting back up, recovering, making a tackle. Jordan Hancock, I think it was, came from the other side of the field and kind of Jim Knowles calls it vicing the football, basically putting that guy between two defenders to get that rundown. Um, so that's good. Like I, I actually, in a weird way, I think that's progress for them. Like Indiana found a vulnerability, got the ball in space, and perhaps last year that play does get out for a long touchdown, and that one didn't. It was only 24 yards. So um, I don't know. I maybe, maybe you want to see more stuff like that too because like offenses are – I mean, they're probably not going to go over sixty-three in a game in terms of getting what they want. I, mean, I guess it, I guess it's possible, um, but when it does happen, can you prevent it from being a touchdown? Like, you know, limit the damage. Oh, and sixty-three, a perfect game. Oh, no, yeah, sorry, that's right. If they throw one of those, do you think they'll move up in the poll next year? No, <laughs> probably not. Alabama's going to lose to Texas and move up to number three. It and is. Texas is going to be number two. It's a different standard <laughs> for the Buckeyes that you can get used to. That's why it's beautiful to have these polls to look at and laugh at because they also don't determine who goes to the college football. Thank God. Yeah. Amen to that. All right. That's, um, I think we can leave it there. We got a lot more coming throughout the week, uh, but wanted to get in a little bit to that defensive conversation with Jim Knowles and make fun of the polls. And then I think that can probably be the last time we mentioned the polls, maybe for the rest of the year. Yeah, and let, like, I'm fine with making fun of poll stupidity when it when it arises. I don't think we have to seek it out. I don't think we have to force our way to it every week. But when it happens, we should talk about it. Deal. We'll do okay. that. All right. I uh, hope you have a great uh, hump day. Thanks for joining us and starting it right here on the podcast daily. A lot more Ohio State coverage getting ready for Saturday. Youngstown State invading the horseshoe for a huge non-conference showdown. Thanks again. That's Bill. I'm Austin. We'll talk to you later.